Hello, my name is Liam Doherty. I'm a senior partner with Stratus Consulting, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of the Stratus Insights podcast series. Stratus Consulting is a partner-led consultancy comprising the most experienced team of employment relations and industrial relations practitioners in Ireland. Each partner has over 30 years' experience in supporting, guiding, and advising employers on strategic EOR projects. Stratus operates at leadership team, chief executive, and board levels to support organizations who want to lead and drive change, particularly where there's a strategic employment relations dimension. Over the next two episodes of our Insights podcast, we continue to focus on the question, are we heading towards some form of mandatory union recognition in Ireland? In each episode, we address particular aspects of this question. Given the importance of the topic, I'm delighted to be joined by Brendan McGinty, Managing Partner, Stratus Consulting, and Kevin Duffy, former Chairman of the Labour Court. In the third or fourth episodes, we look at multinational enterprises in Ireland and discuss whether there's any real appreciation of the need to protect the special position of these employers who offer market-leading remuneration and benefits and pursue high engagement practices with their employees. In in terms of you know the the position of multinational employers and look, we're all mindful of the the special position that you know they've occupied in this country for for a number of decades now. But I, I'm wondering you know whether you believe there's a real understanding of the concerns of multinational employers that are based in Ireland on this whole question. Well, look, uh, I have no doubt that look, pe- people have been voicing their, their views in all sorts of uh, places on this issue as the potential implication of this has become more, more better known. But um, I, I, I will say this uh, from, from our own engagements um, with, with, with companies uh, and with many organizations who are leading multinationals who are already you know, doing good things out there um and who are concerned about where this may may end up and the concern i suppose in a nutshell is that th- this will give rise to an agenda about the promotion of collective bargaining uh, and that having a prim- primacy over the freedom to engage directly and that the continued tilt of our system towards more of a rights-based approach in this space will undermine enterprise level freedom including the practices of better employers. Okay, so that's that's a real concern. Uh, But at a more macro level, you know, and remember, we're we're doing this at a time when Ireland has signed up to obviously enhanced corporation tax rates because of the OECD framework. Uh, We have all of those sorts of issues now around. Well, look, you know, sites, Irish sites of multinationals having to to some extent, reframe their conversation with corporate about the continued attraction of, of Ireland, obviously, as a location for investment. And this has been one of those issues for, for discussion. Uh, and it's important that they can still say that there is still respect in Ireland for diverse uh, models of, of, of engagement. Um, because those, those and I, I'm not talking here, obviously, about those, you know, employers who have played loose and fancy free uh, you know that that Kevin has mentioned earlier, uh, and who do not treat them their, their staff well, and 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 all of that. Uh, nobody has any any truck for 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 that sort of uh, behaviour. But we're talking here about, in my view, a majority of you know good employers who are trying to do the right thing and who are worried. And and a little bit of a sense uh, of of the feedback that that we're picking up, you know. 
they want to make sure they're treating their staff well. They want to continue to provide really good remuneration and market leading benefits. They, but they want to protect their site. They want to encourage future investment. And, you know, even around, for example, the, the, the existing obligations that we know to be out there, there is also a bit of a worry that, for example, you know, people could start looking at areas around information and consultation uh, obligations, which are already there. Uh, and which are working incredibly well and, and to further develop those that impose further obligations um, uh, or indeed for around issues about individual, the individual right of representation, whether it's in grievance, handling or discipline and that and a potential outcome maybe where unions are giving, given additional rights or status over and above that which currently exists under the various codes of practice or, or the information and consultation legislation and so on, which could undermine the voluntarist uh, nature of, 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 of the CB uh, framework. So those are some of the kind of concerns that, 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 that are out there. They are real. Now, hopefully they won't uh, come to pass depending on, on the outcome, but it just shows the volatility and the concern uh, of, of, of thought that, that, that certainly exists in, in some of the multinationals that we're talking to. Thanks, Brendan. Kevin, I'm just curious, do you sense any acceptance of those concerns that multinationals have expressed on this subject, you know, particularly those that have... Yeah, you know? there's a number of points I'd, I'd make around this, uh, Liam. First of all, it's, it's, it's strange that in the US, where a lot of these companies are headquartered, if you get 51% of your employees want to join a union, they, they, the union has to be recognised and you can put a lot of effort into making sure you don't get 51%, but that's the, that's, that's the law in the US. Um, it's less than that in the UK, but in Ireland you could have a, a 110% who want to be represented by a union, it doesn't make any difference. And, you know, there's a, that's a point that's often made. What's the big deal? Right? Second, the second point I think that's relevant is question of, of union recognition or collective bargaining or whatever term you want to apply to it only arises if people want to be represented by a union and actually do something about that and go off and join a trade union. Now we've had a number of somewhat nasty and messy recognition disputes over the years. I'm not aware of any of those disputes being in the type of companies that Brendan's talking about. They've been in the other types of employments that have been talking, that have talked about. So, you know, it, it, the, 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 it only arises as an issue if people join a union right? and make that choice. Right? Uh, if they don't, it just doesn't arise. The other thing I think that's, and, and this is I suppose has run through our discussion here today. We've ended up in a situation here where there are really two models of pay determination in this country. There's the traditional collective bargaining between a trade union uh, and an employer, whether it be at enterprise level or whether it be at sectoral level or wh whatever, right? But the traditional adversarial sort of model, right? And then on the, the other model that you have is nothing other than 
direct engagement. So in some instances, there are arrangements in place of one sort or another, or in, other, in, other, in many other situations, it's simply the, the employer determines what the terms and conditions are. So there isn't anything in between. And I do think that we have to kind of get away from that, that, that model. And there are other ways uh, in which uh, engagement can take place. It, if you use the term collective bargaining in a generic sense, it can, in fact, cover a multitude, not just the, if you like, the, the historic or um, traditional sort of uh, approach that we've become used to. And I think there is scope for, for um, dealing with these matters at uh, the level of, of, of individual employments. And I think there is a model there in terms of information and consultation, both in terms of national legislation and in terms of, of the um, requirements in, in European law for European Works Councils, where people are entitled to information and are entitled to put forward a view and there's an obligation to at least consider that view and they're entitled to, to assistance from experts and all of that sort of stuff. Right? Um, and perhaps that's a model. Perhaps that's a model for certain types of employment, but there's, I think the, it, 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 it isn't a one-size-fits-all approach, in my view. And I, I, maybe that's something that uh, is being talked about in the, the high-level group. Uh, it, I think it would be useful if that debate was had. There is, are there different ways of achieving the same result? Because I'd still go back to first principles on this and say, what is it all about? What's the... What's the, the fundamental point? And the fundamental point, in my view, is to repeat what I said at the beginning, that employees, workers, have a right to an input in the terms and conditions under which they work. But there's, there's different ways in which that can be done. And again, I think, you know, back to the European, that's clearly the situation because you have this huge difference between what is called collective bargaining coverage and some of what, what is, is referred to as collective bargaining is very different to what we understand it to be. But you've got this huge difference between trade union density and collective bargaining coverage. Um, and that is indicative of, of different way, ways of, of, of bringing about perhaps the result that everybody wants and everybody subscribes to. And I think we, that's, that's an area that we haven't really put a lot of thought into. But I think perhaps, uh, you know, from here, you know, it, 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 as this debate develops, and particularly in the context of what's been talked about in Europe and given that something, something along the lines of the draft directive will in fact be enacted, it'll be left very much to the member states to decide how they it's not prescriptive. It's it's simply saying that the member states must draw up an action plan and all of that. So it's it's not it's not prescriptive in that sense. So there'll be uh, a significant margin of discretion allowed to member states. But the object of the exercise will be to uh, increase collective bargaining coverage uh, to seventy percent. But I mean, if you if 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 you take it and I've certainly always felt that 
the JLC system is collective bargaining, not the traditional type, but it is a form of collective bargaining. Right? And if, J, if the JLCs were enhanced and the ones that are already there were actually working, you'd be coming fairly close now to that level of coverage, given the numbers of people that would be covered, because, you know, they typically relate to small uh, uh, enterprises, um, but la- highly labour intensive. Um, but um, so, you know, really, my, my bottom line on all of this is that I agree that um, there's horses for courses. Uh, if 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 it was only the sort of uh, inward investment uh, companies, um, you know, they, they 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 there wouldn't be many issues around this because as I said there's never I've never known a recognition dispute in any of those. Uh, but the core of the problem is is not there. It's more with services type employments, small type employments uh, that just don't want trade unions um, because they they just don't want to uh, afford their employees an opportunity to have an input into the terms under which they work. But that that's a, sounds like a very general statement, but it it's. where a lot of the recognition disputes have occurred, it's those type of employments that they've affected. That concludes the third episode of our Are We Heading Towards Some Form of Mandatory Union Recognition in Ireland podcast. Listen to our fourth and final episode in this series, where we'll again chat to Brendan McGinty and Kevin Duffy on this topic. We'll look at whether the review may focus unduly on the collective bargaining issue and miss the potential for more significant industrial relations reform. (laughs) 